The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast. And get, thank you for giving me the chance to be part of your morning. Uh, whether you're watching this live or catching this later in the day, we just appreciate the privilege to be able uh, to be part of your day. And uh, we hope it's an encouragement. We're going to jump right in. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter number seven this morning as we continue through. Our, so this, uh, we call this a Source of Truth podcast, and as we study, we are studying the source of truth, which is the Word of God. And we strive to go through uh, books of the Bible, and we think that's encouraging and challenging and helps us to uh, get a great understanding of the entire book of what's happening here. So I'm going to start uh, with a little explanation as to what's happening in this, because chapter 7 is transitioning in the narrative of this man Solomon as he's writing this book. And so the first six chapters really talks about um, the futility and emptiness of life outside of our walk with God. If you're walking with God and there's some power and there's some um, good to it, then obviously you see that's a wonderful thing. But when you, when you go through life and you really kind of, on your own, you're thinking life's going to be that fulfilling thing. He's, the word vanity is one he uses a lot. It's empty. It's basic emptiness when you just go after and per, pursue after the things of the world. And there's some good here and there, but generally it also ends up being empty. Again, a man that had everything you could possibly want and makes that conclusion as he's coming to the end of his life. Well, chapter 7 begins a bit of different, a different approach. And so the first, he really just looked at the futility of life. Now he's, he's approaching, he's saying, this is what life is like without God. And now kind of as he's making his journey back to God, he begins to talk about the wise. Okay, there's great wisdom. It kind of goes back to the same type of thinking that he did when he wrote the book of Proverbs. And really what we see is he moves away from this excessive talk talk of vanity, lack of wisdom, and he begins to talk more about wise, wisdom, and things of that nature. So we're going to, we, he, he comes to this conclusion in the first six chapters of the emptiness of this world, and now he begins to talk about uh, a proper mindset, a biblical mindset moving forward. And so we're going to look at just the first couple verses of chapter seven as we begin to, and break down these verses as what he said. Let's start in just verse one. What, what he does over the next several verses, he's got to think it's seven different comparisons that's better than and I'll be honest, when you first read these verses, they don't seem to make a lot of sense. They, they seem almost negative completely. And uh, so let me break them out for you. Let me, let, me, let me unpack them for you here in a moment. Let's read the first few verses so you understand where I'm coming from. He says in verse 1, A good name is better than a precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of countenance the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is the house of mourning, but the heart of the fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the songs of fools. Now, there's more to it, but those are the ones that we're going to probably deal with today, maybe a bit tomorrow. But So he starts off in verse 1 and says, Good name is better than precious ointment. And that's, that's not something that's the first time we've heard this in Scripture. There's an apartment that says, A good name is better to be chosen than precious silver. And uh, so this, he simply starts off with talking about the idea that a good testimony, a good reputation is a powerful thing. I know today the world says you can't worry about anybody thinks, and, and I'm not saying that we should ever live influenced by fear of man. But there is something powerful about a reputation or something powerful about a testimony that when the other world sees you, they see something. Well, when they think about it, a good testimony, a good reputation tells everybody who you are, the way you dress, the way you act, things like that. Uh, that a lot of it establishes who you are. If you, if you 
see a picture who, of somebody who's drunk and kind of laying in the street that tells you a lot about their mindset of life. Um, you see someone dressed real professionally. Again, now that doesn't mean necessarily that they're completely opposite people. One could end up in the other place. The simple premise is that I work to have a, a name, a, a testimony that when people recognize my name, they shouldn't recognize arrogance. They should recognize someone who loves others, someone who encourages others, someone who's a hard worker, someone who wants to bring the virtues of Jesus that he's brought to our life to others, an encourager, a helper, a giver, things of that nature. Instead of instead of when people hear your name, they think, man, that person's always critical, that person's always complaining, they're cruel, they're mean, uh, they're not helpful. That's just the two extremes there. So as I walk with God and I grow in God, I need, I desire that my name be ex- 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 seen as recognized as what Jesus would be, as I strive to become more like him, which means my actions have to go in a way where people recognize, connecting my name to good actions. And it's not always easy. We need the Holy Spirit's power to do this, but we should live in a way to when the world sees us, they see a different narrative than the world does. The world's all about, I get my own, and I get what I deserve, and I get this, and I get that. And the Bible says I should have a name that is opposite of that, recognized by the world as gracious and kind. So we talk about the, he talks about the importance of it. It's better than ointment, better than, than things that are helpful, better than things that are valuable. It is a very valuable thing. And then he says in the second half of the verse, really second half of verse one and two kind of go together. He says, in the day of death, so it's better, it's better than the next, the day of one's birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. So what he's talking about in these next couple of verses, the first thing he says, better go to the day of death than the day of one's birth. He's referencing in verse, second half of verse one or verse two, referencing a funeral. You know, we go to someone's birthday party and we talk about what, you know, celebrate where they got to this point and all that could happen in, in the future. But when you come to someone's death, what he's asking us to do here is reflect on this. When you come to someone's funeral, what do you do? You usually have a time where family members and friends come and share. They share what they remember about that person. And what you do reflect upon the life. So the thinking here is not that we should desire a death or desire a funeral, but we should reflect on the fact that at some point, everything, you know, what, what are we, what, what kind of legacy are we leaving behind? If we consider, if I, my funeral were today, what would I be remembered for? Am I living in a way that people would want to stand up and, and say, man, that was a good person. They touched my life. They made some changes. Or are people just going to sit back quiet and say, oh, I don't really have a whole lot to say. We're reflecting on something deeper than just the little things of today. We're reflecting on the fact that if I look ahead to the fact that my life will end at some point and these little things that I try to invest, these, these empty, vain things that I try to invest my life into now are really pointless. Um, when I can look at all those things, I, I begin to start having a deeper and a, more, and a more, better understanding of how I should live now with the end of my life in view, per se, knowing that the world will evaluate how, how, how am I going to be remembered? Then it should change how I live today. He says in then verse number three, sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. Now, I don't believe that Solomon's basically stating we should always be depressed and anxious and and upset because in the book of Proverbs, he says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So what he's talking about when he talks about the idea of sorrow in the aspect of um, better is Sorrow's better than laughter. What are the two comparisons here? He's really talking about the reality of how we view life. I, it, it, laughter, it, he kind of looks at it as an emptiness. We, we look at life um, in a futile way. It's all silly. It's all empty. It's not really a big deal. We don't take things seriously. Sorrow gives the idea that I look at life from a more serious perspective. I really evaluate. Not, I'm not trying to just kind of 
I'm not looking at things from this fluffy perspective where nothing's really important. I'm looking at life from a very serious, open understanding of the realities of life, the realities of battle, the realities of what I'm doing. Because when I start taking them seriously, he says, for the sadness of countenance, the heart is made better. When I start looking at life seriously, then I will start making wiser decisions. It's not just about the next you know, fun or the next party or the next this, because if you're living with all of that, you're going to find it extremely empty and end up being, can cause a lot of grief. What he's saying is I start looking at life seriously. I start evaluating the good. I start evaluating the bad. I start evaluating my life. And what am I doing? I evaluate my, what's around me and how I can make it better. These are the things that I need, he's, he's looking at. He said, it's, it's less about sorrow and sadness. It's more about a seriousness of heart. And I look at this, and I'm, I'm not always looking just to make everything fake and empty, and as long as I'm happy, everything's good. No, sometimes I need to be serious about life and be able to look at it and evaluate the truth of what I'm seeing right there. Let's go back to, let's go verse 4, and then we'll be done with this lesson today. The heart of the wise is the house of mourning, but the heart of the fools is in the house of mirth. It's really the same thing as verse 3. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning or house of seriousness, and, and sometimes... When I take my condition, my situation, my surroundings seriously, sometimes it should break my heart. I should be heartbroken for the conditions of my, my, uh, my, our culture. I should be heartbroken for the conditions of our world. And God placed us here to the light and darkness, light in this darkness and salt in this world. So if I'm just kind of fake, no big deal, whatever, whatever's good for me, I'm missing out. I should take this seriously and my heart should be broken for my condition, my personal condition to walk with God. My heart should be broken for the condition of my world. And when I start getting a better understanding, and I'm not just looking to party, I'm not just looking to everything's got to be good, but I start getting a true understanding of life where it's at, I will reflect it. I will take it more seriously. Again, similar to think, two thoughts there. And so Solomon, really, he goes from the emptiness of life in the first six verses and he starts really digging deep. He starts really getting down deep and, and sometimes can be overwhelming. Like, man, alive, that's, wow, where'd you, where'd you going with this? Well, he had everything he could offer in life, all the wealth and all of the power and all of the uh, glory of his position. And because he walked away from God he, during these times, especially at the end, he said, this is all empty. And so now he's taking this path back and encouraging people, don't follow in my footsteps. These are the things that are important in life. And uh, so I hope that as we evaluate those things, they can seem heavy at first, but they're great principles and they're great things for us to hold on to and be evaluated in our lives. Well, I appreciate the opportunity for you uh, that you've given me to be part of your morning. Hope it's a help. Uh, we'll pick up on these tomorrow as we'll finish up the next couple thoughts as he makes these comparisons about better and really dig down to what does it really mean for me today. And hopefully these things will be help as we try to dig that, dig deeper and find out what Psalm's trying to challenge us in our walk with God. Thanks again for joining us this morning. We look forward to seeing you again.